welcome. Thank you for joining us here at AmazingLove.org. And, uh, you know, it's been a dream of mine to reach people all across the world with a message of Jesus and his love. And so whether you're joining us from near or far, so glad that you're here. And we'd love to hear what God is doing in your life. So if he's blessed you by this ministry, please email us at impactatamazinglove at gmail.com. If you'd like to support this ministry and make sermons like this possible every week ongoing, please go to amazinglove.org and go to our giving tab. But now may God bless you. May he guide you. May he speak into your life and direct you all through the power of his love. Heavenly Father, I confess I am not who I want to be because I want to be more like you. And I believe there are many with the same spirit in this building who see Jesus and want to be like Jesus, and we ask that you'd refine us. We know, though, how, how good as we get, um, and we can make progress, we're finally going to need Jesus to be our Savior. And so with that peace of salvation, let, let us live for you. With the knowledge that we are already your children, forgiven and loved, let us live for you. And now give us the joy of hearing from you. Our leader, our savior, our best friend, our best love, Lord. Bless the preaching of your word for your name, for your glory, and for your kingdom. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. And so I wanted to say a happy birthday, everyone, and this is a day of celebration. We are celebrating seven years old, seven years by God's grace, seven years of proclaiming God's love, and today is the first weekend of the next seven years. One way to think about it. And uh, I, I like to get people involved, so could you just turn to the person next to you and say happy birthday? Let's just do it. Happy birthday. <laughs> happy birthday. It's, it's awesome. It's awesome. And, uh, you know, I don't know what celebration heaven's going to be like, but I'm going to request Koine. You know, I'm just going to, whenever I just want to rock out for Jesus, Koine, if you could just be there, I would like that. So we brought him for you. We got pizza coming. It's, it's a great day. My goodness, you know. And um, I want to feast, though, on the Word of God with you this morning. And, and I hope God would speak into your life. And I, I'm actually hoping that the best part of your day would be what God did in your heart today. And, uh, and so with that, I want to talk a little bit about a dude called Michelangelo. Michelangelo. And Michelangelo, not the Ninja Turtle who likes pizza and thinks that's totally tubular. Um, I like him too. Um, but Michelangelo, the artist. Some of you may know he is a sculptor. I remember seeing one of his artworks in Rome. I uh, had a chance to see this. This is the La Pieta. Um, it's amazing how he made a stone look so flowing and, and uh, precise. Um, he's maybe best known for his sculpture, I believe it was called Dustin, um, what, what was it called, uh, Davison, no, uh, David I think, anyway, but um, uh, bad joke, you guys are so good. Anyway, and uh, so we know uh, he's a sculptor, and, and this is what he was going to really uh, sink his teeth into, what he was really going to be known for until in 1500, he was approached by the Catholic Church to paint the Sistine Chapel. And this was a new form for him. And uh, he was approached at that time to paint the 12 apostles, so 12 apostles figures in the ceiling of the Sistine Chapel. Michelangelo agreed to do it. But when he agreed to the position, he, he committed like no one else. In fact, he didn't do 12 figures. Rather, when he was done, he had crafted this. Over 400 figures, over nine scenes from Genesis, all on a ceiling from his back. And a mattress firm just opened. And I'm, I'm thinking he didn't have, like, memory foam, right? And, and we know the price he paid. As, as he was working on the ceiling, we know he had permanent eye damage because of what he was doing. And, and maybe the paint dripping down, I don't know. You know that would be. Or, or have you ever tried to hold your hand up for a while? 
and then do that while, while painting with precision? This was grueling work that took over four years to accomplish. And Michelangelo refre- reflected on these years, and this is what he had to say. Uh, this was his experience. He said, after four tortured years, more than 400 over life-size figures, I felt as old and as weary as Jeremiah. That's a prophet, and he had a hard job. Read the Bible. Anyway, um, I was only 37, yet friends did not recognize the old man I had become. This reminds me of one of my favorite Facebook posts. Uh, there's a, a picture of a pastor, and he looks about 100 years old, and he says, I'm 30, and I'm feeling great. You know, <laughs> That could go for any profession. What do we know? When you work hard, it ages you, doesn't it? That's what Michelangelo experienced. And I wonder, as he was painting on his back and paint was falling into his eye and he didn't have the memory foam, so that was hard, right? Um, I wonder how many times he was like, this ain't worth it. You know, I, I don't care who's looking at the ceiling. This is, this is an impossible task. Who paints a ceiling, by the way? Uh, what, I should just give up. I wonder how many times he was tempted to call it quits. But because he didn't, how many have just marveled at the Sistine Chapel? In fact, has anyone ever seen the Sistine Chapel? Look at that. You might have even just made the destination to Rome to see what Michelangelo did. And Michelangelo, they say, changed the, the, the landscape of painting in Europe at the time, all because he didn't give up. And, and I'm leading to a point, my friends. Here is my major point um, right now. It is this. Nothing great, I believe, has been accomplished without determination. Nothing great, nothing spectacular, nothing worthy of awe and ooh has been accomplished without a spirit that says, I'm not giving up. I'm digging in. When everyone says give up, I'm going to continue to fight for it. Maybe that's why the Blackhawks have had a few Stanley Cups. Right? Because a few players say, I'm not giving up. I'm giving it my all every season, every game. Here we go again. Maybe that's what you've recognized in your own life. Maybe you were at school and everyone else was failing against this teacher who was just ridiculous expectations and I know there are teachers in the buildings, but don't be one of those teachers anyway. And, uh, and, uh, and, and so they're, they're so hard, but because you didn't give up, you separated yourself. And when everyone else was getting C's and D's, you got that B because you just, you just stuck in. Maybe that was your experience on the court or maybe with music. When everyone else was calling it quits or or giving up, you just kept at it and kept at it. And I believe, again, nothing great is accomplished without that kind of spirit. We're talking about leadership today. And if you uh, really want to learn more, I would recommend this book by Bill Hybels called Axiom. And uh, he picked up on this same idea, and I wanted to share a quote with you. Uh, It's kind of heady, it's kind of long, but I think it's a good one. He said this. He said, Throughout history, when evil needed to be confronted, when oppression needed to be resisted, when slavery needed to be abolished, when governments needed to be overthrown, when churches needed to be rejuvenated, when major social movements needed to be started, one such diligent and I could say determined leader stepped on to the scene. That was true for Michelangelo. This is true, I believe, in your own life. If you want to lead something great, it will take that dogged determination in your life. And that's where we're going. And so with that, how determined are you today? What is your proclivity to dig in or to give up? That's what we want to talk about. And today we're following the greatest leader, our Savior Jesus. Our Savior Jesus. We're, we're starting um, this series that, that just follows him all the way to the cross. And, and first of all, let's be clear, especially if you're new to this place, if you don't consider yourself a Christian, we need to be really clear on this matter. 
we are not saved by being good leaders. No, we're saved because Jesus was the best leader and won for us salvation. And talk about determination to make a difference. He was determined to save mankind. He did it. He won it. It is finished. And even the best leaders today, I don't know who you pick, they're not saved by supreme leadership. No, they're saved by belief in that supreme leader, Jesus. But I believe to my core, as we watch him, he teaches a master's class on leadership. I know he is ultimately Savior, but he is also teaching us what it is to follow him if we just pay attention. And in true leadership style, this isn't about a bunch of words. We don't have Jesus' lecture on leadership. No, in pure leadership style, this is action. He teaches what this is by what he does, by who he is. And today, we see his determination. Now, why did this matter to you and I? Because God has called you to follow if you are a Christian, and God has made you a light. And who here today thinks they could be a greater light for Jesus? Who here today says, I want to be better than I am today? Does anyone feel that way? I want to be a better reflection of Jesus than I am today. That's me. I don't want to be the Dustin from 10 years ago or even yesterday. I want to see what he can continue to do in my life as I follow my Savior, my example, my, my Jesus. And, and it's not about my name. And it's not about your name. It's not that everyone would know the name of Dustin Bloomer, but I carry a greater name in Jesus, the name above all names, the name which called upon saves, and it's about being great so he gets the glory. It's about being a leader that's worthy of our God so that people might know him. It's with this that we enter our discussion. Are you ready for it? You ready for it? You need to have me stop talking. Let's get into the word of God. Let's go. Um, our, our lesson for today is uh, from Luke. And this was a disciple who walked with Jesus, was able to hear what he said, was able to experience what he taught, um, and he records um, some events in Jesus' life. Luke chapter 9, we'll read the whole thing now. It says, As the time approached for him to be taken up to heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. And he sent messengers on ahead who went into a Samaritan village to get things ready for him. But the people there did not welcome him. Because he was heading for Jerusalem, there was a clash between Jews and Samaritans. They didn't like each other, to say the least. When the disciples, James and John, saw this, they asked, Lord, do you want, to call, do you want us to call down fire from heaven to destroy them? We'll talk about that later. Anyway, um, but Jesus turned and rebuked them. Then he and his disciples went to another village. As they were walking along, a man said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus replied, Foxes have dens and birds have nests. But the Son of Man is not a homeowner. He has no place to lay his head. He said to another man, follow me. But he replied, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead. But you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. This is striking. Does Jesus want us to love other people? Absolutely he does. That's part of his teaching. What he's saying is priorities, priorities. I come above everyone else. Priorities. Still another said, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. Jesus replied, no one puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the service in the kingdom of God. And with these words, we're going to approach our discussion on determination. Following our leader, may God bless this discussion. Are you still with me? All right, all right. You know, I uh, absolutely love children's movies. 
Grew up in the golden age of children's movies. I had Beauty and the Beast and The Lion King. Little Mermaid was my favorite. Let's be honest, it was good. And I enjoy that there is a resurgence of kids' movies. Maybe you saw Minions and Frozen, and, and I believe when the resurgence happened was around this one movie, uh, maybe you've seen it, it's called Tangled. It signaled the resurgence of the golden age of animated filming, my friends. It's for me anyway. I have a point, by the way. I'm getting to it. And, and, um, and in this movie, there was a song called I've Got a Dream. It's a great song. And, and you look at the cast of characters, and this guy dreams about being a classical pianist, even with a hook. This guy wants to fall in love. Uh, this guy, he wants to be a mime. We can see that. This guy, ceramic unicorns. She wants to see some glowing lanterns, and they have a ball just screaming about their dream and, and, and what, what's going to happen. And are there any dreamers here? Does anyone know the good of dreaming? You can envision this is where I want to live, right? And this is what I want to do, and this is what I want the world to look like. And it is fun, and it's easy to have a dream. But what I recognize is this principle. Are you ready? Just because you have a dream doesn't make you a leader. See, anyone can dream something. Anyone can envision a better future. Anyone can say, I'd like it to be this way and have this and the world to look that way. And that doesn't make you a leader. Because as you and I know, there's a marked difference between dreamers and doers, isn't there? Market difference between dreamers and doers. I, I consider this quote, um, look, look at this one, it says, um, sorry it's not there. Um, anyway, the quote was, uh, nothing is easier than saying words, nothing is harder than day-to-day -day living them out. Would you agree with that? Nothing is easier than saying something, nothing's harder than, than living them out, and this is true. Only one of those were pursuing the dream entangled, the, the girl who left the tower to face mean people to see the glowing, and she got it. I consider Jesus' dream, transitioning there, superhero stories eat your heart out. Jesus is on a dream to save the world. That's his mission. The salvation of all mankind so whoever believes in him comes to him would have forgiveness and salvation. That is a big dream. But I wanted to consider with you, what if Jesus were just a dreamer? Here's what I mean. What if he just sat around all day thinking about what he was supposed to do? What if he just had lectures about, now this is what you should do and this is what I'm, I want to do, and, and yet he never did it? I recognize real quick I'm not satisfied with Jesus being a dreamer. And, and maybe you're not either. I don't want Jesus just to talk. I want Jesus to do. Because if he doesn't, I'm lost. And so there is, again, this difference between just dreaming and doing, and we want Jesus to be more than just the dreamer, and that's what he is. Look at what he does in verse 51. We see that he's not just a dreamer. It says, As the time approached for him to be taken into heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. Now Jesus, according to his divinity, knows exactly what's going to happen in Jerusalem, and maybe you do too. It's the pinnacle of our salvation where he's handed over to the authorities, where he's tortured, and where he's crucified. This will not be easy. And yet, what does Jesus do? This is the main thought. Jesus resolutely sets out for Jerusalem. Jesus confirms his countenance. He strengthens his resolve. He makes up his mind. I am going to Jerusalem. And this isn't about saying words. This is about doing things. I'm going to do the work that it takes no matter what's in Jerusalem for me to face. 
And so he goes. And the first principle about leadership and determination is this. Um, the difference between dreaming and doing is determination. Is determination. And as we consider Jesus' own determination, I wonder as he looks down at us, maybe what we want in him is what he wants in us. Maybe as he wants, as we want him to be more than a dreamer, maybe he wants you and I to be more than just dreamers. Maybe he's looking at amazing love and the people gathered today, some Christians who have some lofty dreams, and he's like, man, I sure wish they'd stop talking about it and get around to doing something about it. Man, I sure wish they'd stop giving lectures about what should be and actually be the difference that they should be. Maybe what we want is what he wants in us, and this is what I'd confirm to you. That he wants us to get up and act. But with that, we have to discuss, what's your dream? And this is an all-important question because it sets the destination for your life. It sets your priorities. It says your day-to-day -day activity, what you're willing to fight and what you're willing to die for. Now, if you're, if you're not a Christian, um, you might have dreams that relate to a lot of different things, and I'm not sure what they are. Um, if you are a Christian, I think your dream is refined by some priorities. I do. I, I believe Jesus gives you a lot of freedom, but he refines the priorities. And we see a little bit of that in, um, in verse 58. In verse 58, someone wanted to follow him, and he said, Foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. What I see from this is if you want to follow Jesus and dream big, it primarily is not about your earthly comfort. It's not saying that earthly comfort is sinful. I have a memory foam mattress. I want it on The Price is Right. It's awesome. I like being comfortable. But it's the willingness to say, if Jesus wants my memory foam, it was yours anyway, right? It's the willingness to say, if you want me to go there or do that and it's not comfortable and it may be awkward, I'm going to give up my comfort in order to dream your dream and to do your will. There's more in refining our dream. Look again at verse 60. He says, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go proclaim the kingdom of God. Now, did Jesus not know funeral protocol? Was Jesus so awkward socially that he didn't get what had to happen here? No, Jesus knew. But he was saying to us, your dream better primarily care about me first. See, I come first. When everyone else fades away, I will still be here. Surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. And until I come first, your dreams may need to be redefined. You may need to dream a bigger dream. So let me ask and redefine it. What is the dream that has to do with God? That's where I want to set your sights if you proclaim Jesus as Savior. And this is what I'd love for you to go home and work on. Maybe write out, maybe talk about with your spouse, what is the dream that we dream for the sake of God and his kingdom? But then as you get it, as you crystallize it and you talk about it and you know it in your gut, let me give you a heads up for what you're going to face. You ready for this? Heads up for what you're going to face. I um, want to talk about um, some of my favorite stories, which is my high school wrestling career. Need to let you know, I was the worst high school wrestler in all of history. Went to uh, Lakeside Lutheran in Lake Mills, and they moved me up to varsity when I was a sophomore. Shouldn't have done that. Shouldn't have done that at all. Someone quit, and I was there. Um, I didn't win a match the whole year. 
the whole year I had like 60 some, saw the ceiling a lot, you know, I'm suffocating, you know, got it through that, you know, and it all culminated in this tournament held at our school. It was at Lakeside and we had our own wrestling tournament. Never forget going against a superior opponent and this opponent knew I only knew one move. He knew I only knew one move, and, and this was the thing. I was trying to stand up to get out of his grasp. All I knew is he's, he's got me. I've got to stand up, and I've got to get out of his grasp. He knew I only knew that, and so this is what happened. Every time I stood up, slammed me to the ground, and then he let me do it again, and I think he got joy out of it, so I just stand up, and he kind of let me. I stand up, slam to the ground. I'd do it again, stand up, and, and all throughout the gym, you were just hearing, and that was my face hitting the mat and it could have been an EDM track you know it could have been the beat for some music it was just what is that sound my face hitting the mat and if there was ever a time I wanted to give up it was when this was happening I didn't want to stand up but I did again and again and again if there was ever a time I wanted to quit something it would have been wrestling that year but I stuck in, and I was determined to see it through. What's going to happen when you pursue the dream worthy of God? I need to let you know, you're going to get slammed to the ground. And I know this because it's what happened to Jesus as he pursued his dream. Verse 53, but the people there didn't welcome him because he was heading for Jerusalem. And I don't know if they called him names. I don't know if they didn't feed him. I don't know if they said there's no room in the end. I don't know what it was, but I know it happened like this. And I wonder how many of you have already experienced this. And maybe your dream was to find a Christian spouse and you just found another jerk and it was like... And maybe your dream was to be a Christian in your high school, but everyone else was against it and made fun of you and... And maybe your dream was to start a mission church where many people who didn't know Jesus would come and seek him, and yet you invite people and they don't come. And, and maybe there is opposition to the dreams that we dream for God, and we need to be ready for this because it's what Jesus faced. So let me ask you, because that's your reality, how willing are you to give up? And I would say one of the problems in the church of God and in my own heart is that I am all too quick to call it quits. If I'm real with Dustin Bloomer, I'm all too willing to say, maybe the dream ain't worth it. Maybe the way isn't worth the effort. Maybe I should just call it quits. And, and there's a passage that speaks to our struggle. There's a passage that was written to the Hebrews, um, to the Jewish Christians. It said this. It said, um, here we go. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. And it implies that we give up too early, doesn't it? It implies that you're not willing to go as far as Jesus went for you. And so if you've ever been willing to give up on the dream instead of dig in with dogged determination. If you've ever used forgiveness as a fail-safe, you know what I'm talking about? God's going to forgive me anyway, so I don't have to try anymore, right? Yeah, it's easy to do that as a Christian. If you've ever done that, let's stop that once for all. Let's repent of that today. And say, though all may leave and all may give up the cause, I'm going to dig in, and when I know it's right, and when I know it's your will, I'm going to give it all that I got, even if I slam to the ground. 
May God work that in you and in me. Because I see Jesus. And the Samaritan opposition wasn't the first thing he was going to face. He would go to Jerusalem where Judas, Judas, his, his friend, his disciple, one of the twelve, would betray him. But he gets up and he goes on. And he'd go to a garden and then he'd be arrested. And he'd be going into a court where he was falsely accused. But he would get up and he would go on and he'd go before Pilate where he would be uh, questioned and tortured and, and flogged and, and worn a crown of thorns. And, and this would happen, but he'd get up and he'd go on. And, and he'd carry a cross, which ultimately he'd be hung upon. And he gets up on the cross and he goes on. And, and he'd shed his blood and he'd give his life and he declares, it is finished. And he'd be laid in a tomb where the tomb is sealed. And, but three days later, but three days later, but three days later, he would get up and he would go on. And brother and sister, maybe today he's saying, what I did is what I want you to do. Yes, there were obstacles. Yes, life is tough. You will have trouble in this world. But boy, girl, you better get up and you better go on. Because I'm worthy. And the dreams are worthy. And the kingdom is real. You better get up this day and you better go on by the Spirit of God. That's what leaders do. And that's what following Jesus is all about. May God work that in you. Are you with me? Say yeah. yeah. Say amen. amen. Thank you. But there was something that made me laugh. When I was translating this past week, I had a belly laugh like none other. And it was the disciples' reaction to opposition. Are you ready for this? Verse 54 made me laugh out loud because we got James and John who were nicknamed the Sons of Thunder because of what they suggested. And so what do they suggest when they face opposition? They're like, uh, Lord, facing opposition. You want us to call down fire from heaven? Now, first of all, that's funny because, you know, in disciplining children, you like wait to the last, you know, extreme degree. You wait for the most extreme thing and you try to do other things before. So they're like past negotiating. They're past like working it out or forgiving. You know, they're not like, you know, let's just send down fire, you know. And uh, anyway, and, and, then, and then there's nothing light about this word, to destroy them. <laughs> Who talks like that? They did. Let's destroy them, you know. <laughs> and it is funny to me because, um, you know, I wonder if that's a little bit of our own attitude. Jesus, I was trying to share my faith at school, and they made fun of me. If you want me to send down fire, Jesus, and destroy them, you know, it's just, it, I'll do that. And Jesus, I was driving to work, and I was going to please you at work, and I was doing your will, and they cut me off. And if you want me to send down fire, Jesus, and destroy them, you know, uh, you know, light them up, up, up. Anyway, and uh, if you want that, Jesus, I'll, I'll destroy them right now, you know? It'd be simpler that way, wouldn't it? Be kind of fun, just light them up. But it's funny because this is a ridiculous notion. And it's funny because is this what Jesus wants at all? No! And because they were serious about it, he has to rebuke them and disciple them. And he's like, no, this is not what I want. And here's why. Are you ready for a point? Got a point. Because this is what I believe is true. Instead of sending fire to clear opposition, you know what he's going to do? He's going to ask you to walk through the fire of opposition. Instead of sending fire to clear the opposition, he's going to ask you to walk through the fire of opposition. You got it? 
And this was his paradigm. This is what he had to do. He wasn't going to clear the path and it wasn't going to get easier, but he was going to walk through the fire and come out on the other side. Reminds me of the worst decision I ever made in my life, which was to run a race. And at the end of the race, um, there was this thing. Signified when you jumped over the fire, you had made it. You were battle-tested and worn and and, uh, you were stronger on the other side. That's a picture of what God calls you to do. He says, I want you to go through. And when you get to the other side, which won't be easy, what you will be is battle-tested. What you will be is stronger. What you will be is more determined. What you will be is someone who's been through the fire and has been refined by it, just like metal is refined. You, you put metal in fire and it refines all the impurities away and that is what God asks of you and he asks of me. First Peter, it's a passage that says this. It says, these have come. What have come? Opposition, struggles, suffering, so that the proven genuineness of your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire. He is in the business of refining people's faith. And that doesn't happen without fire. You can't have a refined faith without fire. You can't have a refined faith without fire. Has he brought you through any fires? In seven years, has he brought a core group and a mission pastor through some fires? I think so. If you guess if the devil is real, try to start a mission church. He's real. There's opposition. But what happens when you get through the fire is you stand stronger on the other side. You stand battle-tested. And so I invite you, don't devalue the fire he's asking to walk through. Don't devalue it because you need it to be stronger and more determined and battle-tested on the other end. But I need to land the plane so we can eat before noon. This was a longer service, by the way, and if you didn't know that, you know that now. But I'm going to land the plane, cue the Emmy Award music, you know, um, when they're trying to speak and the music comes, you know what I'm saying. Anyway, we're going to put the music on and I'm going to land the plane, and to land the plane, I want to bring it back to Michelangelo. Michelangelo was asked, why are you working so hard in a dark corner of the Sistine Chapel that perhaps no one would ever see because they didn't know the impact of the Sistine Chapel yet. Why are you doing a corner of a chapel to which no one may ever see? And you want to know his response? God will see. Why is it that Christians would leave the comfort of the mother church and set out in a core group and set up some chairs and pray for people and give generously and, and serve like a dog? And why would a pastor preach when there are only 40 from his gut? And, and why would he fill a minivan with totes and, and buy a minivan that he doesn't like? And why would he do that? Because God knew that he was watching. You see, see what I want to tell you is God has seen. He's seen it all, baby. He's seen every prayer you've given, every effort that you did, every cup of coffee, every carpet square cleaned. He's sent every dollar given. He's seen it all and nothing's wasted. Not in the kingdom of God where God is watching. So why can I be determined in the face of opposition where I don't always see what he's doing because God sees 
And it was him that I serve anyway. And it's him that reigns and was my leader and him that I serve. So may God work in you this spirit of determination. And now let me pray for you. Let's pray. Lord, today we celebrate what you have done in seven years at Amazing Love. And we celebrate that you have called us through some fires and strengthened us with resolve. Reinvigorate us once again and give us a determined spirit that pursues dreams worthy of your name. Lead us through and bless all that is done. Let us be the people that change the world through your power, assured of your determined work of salvation for us and for all people. In Jesus' name, amen. Please stand.